You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 5, and let's read together verses 13 through verse number 16. Again, if we could read together verses 13 through verse number 16. Ready? Begin. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this, uh, this morning I preached uh, on one of the miracles of Jesus, and of course last Sunday morning as well. Uh, tonight, I'd like to uh, preach uh, for a few minutes on uh, not a miracle, but on a parable of Jesus. I said it this morning, but uh, there is no mistake, there is no, um, there is no accident. The things that Jesus spoke and that he did in his earthly ministry, everything has a purpose, everything has a plan. Uh, this entire Bible, I'll say it this way, this entire Bible that I hold in my hand right here from Genesis to Revelation, it is not all written to us, but it is all written for us. Every word of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it is for us. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is what? Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That means to be complete, truly furnished unto all good works. How are you going to be complete? How am I going to be complete and be what God wants us to be? Well, we're going to have to get in the Bible. You're not going to be truly furnished unto all good works if you don't know what the Bible says, and if I don't know what the Bible says. And so we see the uh, parables. I won't go through all of the parables in a series, but I'd like to uh, go through a few, and especially as our theme for this year is to follow Jesus. Jesus taught these parables. I want you to notice with me Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever recorded in Scripture, and here's the amazing thing. It wasn't preached to a lot of people. It was preached to the disciples. But isn't that amazing that you, you don't have to have a big crowd to have a big impact. Those 12 disciples, they went out and turned the world upside down. And Jesus took time with those disciples. Uh, just a, a little uh, thought I want to give all of you. Did you know that your ministry, whether it be a Sunday school class, whether it be a junior church, whether it be a master club, uh, whether it be a bus ministry, or, or whether it be a nursery, or whether it be a, a ladies class, or a, a, a singles class, or whatever it may be, that class is not a huge class. We, we don't have any huge classes. As a matter of fact, uh, this is not a huge church. 
Now, sometimes people compared to what they're used to, they'll come and say, wow, this is a big church. Did you know that there are churches around the world that run thousands and thousands of people on a Sunday? This is not a big church, but we don't have to have a big church. We need to have a church that can make a difference because we preach and teach and practice the word of God. This is where the power is. The power, God doesn't need huge numbers. God doesn't need huge crowds. As a matter of fact, God's just looking for one. God's just looking for somebody. And I say that to say that you have the opportunity in your ministry, and we have the opportunity in our ministry to have a huge impact because of what we have before us, the word of God. Jesus is preaching to his disciples. And I want you to notice in verse number one, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit for, what's the next word? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse four, blessed are, what's the next word? They that mourn for they shall be comforted. Jesus goes through these beatitudes and he is talking to the disciples as a whole. But notice verse number 11. He says, blessed are ye. He gets personal. He's not talking now in general terms, but he's talking specifically to those disciples. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He goes on in verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our Father, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your word and this very simple truth, but powerful, powerful truth contained in this parable of the salt and the light. Help us to learn. Help us to be attentive. Help us to, to receive something uh, from your word tonight. And Holy Spirit, speak directly to us. And may we uh, receive something that can transform our lives and make a difference and have an impact not only on our lives, but on those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I see in this passage of the salt and the light, verses 13 through 16, I see number one that Jesus makes it personal. Did you know that that's the reason you ought to come to church and that's the reason I ought to come to church? We ought to come to church not to get something for somebody else, but we ought to come to get something for ourselves. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's a good thing for a preacher to do, right? To be honest. Do you ever get nervous when a preacher says, now, I'm telling the truth now. You think, well, what have you been doing the rest of the time? But I'll be honest with you. There are times in my life that I've been in a service and a preacher's been preaching and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that is a great message for so-and-so. That is a great message for Dale Tillery. I hope he's listening. And you know, sometimes we, we start thinking, boy, I hope they're getting it. Boy, they need it. Boy, oh, that preacher, he sure knows what to preach to that crowd over there. And the reality is, I don't know what anybody else needs, but I know what I need. Amen. I need something from God. 
You know, I, I believe with all my heart that the Bible is inspired and I believe Hebrews 10, 25 is so applicable for today because it says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together uh, as the manner of some is, but it says we're to exhort one another as we assemble and so much the more as we see the day approaching. I find the longer I live and, and I find the worse and worse it gets in this world, I find that I need church more. And I need the Bible more. And I need preaching and teaching more. And I need the conviction of the Holy Spirit more. And I need the singing of the, the, the songs and hymns of the faith. I need that more and more and more. I don't know about everybody else, but I, I need it. And may we, we come to church to get something. May we open the pages of Scripture every day and ask God, God, please speak to me. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I see number one, I see that it's personal. Jesus begins this sermon, he starts with they and theirs, but he ends with ye and you and your, and he, he makes it personal. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and it is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's sometimes where we trail off in quoting the verse. But it goes on to say that the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'd say that's pretty personal. Have you ever had someone ask you a really personal question and you're, you almost bristle a little bit? Well, can I tell you something? When the word of God goes to work in your heart, and my heart, it gets real personal. And we ought to take it as such and we ought to receive it and we ought to thank God that he does get personal with us that he loves us enough to help us and to show us things that need to be right David uh, prayed in Psalm 139 he said search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting Number one, I see that this is personal, the salt and the light that we're supposed to be. God is talking to you and God is talking to me. But secondly, I see that salt and light are practical. Now think about this. I have up here, and if I offend you with this, I'm sorry, I don't mean to. This is, this is an illustration. Uh, this is not going to be any deep doctrine in this illustration. Yet. But, but salt, salt is not expensive. Salt is pretty much free. I mean, obviously you have to buy at the store, but I've never, I've never been to the restaurant. I've never said, uh, I'd like to get some French fries and those fries are, you know, whatever, $2.39. And <laughs> sounds good about now, doesn't it? French fries that are hot. But have you ever gotten French fries that are hot and fresh? And there was... I'm not talking about a little bit of salt. I'm talking about there was no salt. Now, to James, I'm glad that you have had that happen because I have too. And let me tell you, that's disappointing because I like French fries. I love French fries. I love them hot. I love them fresh, but I like some salt on there. And you say, well, just go up to the counter and ask for salt. I know, but what if you're going through the drive-thru and you've already pulled away? You know what I mean? And then you, then, you're, then you have a dilemma on your hands. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to eat these fries without salt? Am I going to wait till I get home and then they're cold? Or am I going to go back in and wait in line to ask for some salt? I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, major, you know, first world problems here, you know. 
But I've never said, and, uh, and, and also I'd like to get some packets of salt. I've never heard them say, well, those are 99 cents each for each packet of salt. You know what they do for me? And I don't think I'm special, but they just throw them in the bag. They're free. But you know, that salt, it's not expensive. It's pretty common. It's not really that impressive. As a matter of fact, it's pretty small. I've got some, some salt right here, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll let, uh, I don't know what else I got in my hand there. That wasn't salt. But I'll let uh, Brent, you be my witness here. Now, now Brent, I, you can see that salt there, right? I got salt there. Yes, sir. But if you just saw just one little grain, that's tiny. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It's really not that important. It's really not that amazing. And you know what's amazing is God says, ye are the salt of the earth. You know what we are? We're just ordinary, average people that God wants to use. But a little bit of salt, boy, it can make a big difference, can it not? Salt is so small, it's ordinary, it's an everyday ingredient that we use so often. I have also with me, I've got a box of matches. Now, this was a box of, of 300 large kitchen matches. I don't, a couple dollars, I guess, is what it costs, but nothing fancy, nothing exciting. But yet, this is something that can be used. This is something that can make a difference. This is something that can have an impact. You see... Jesus says, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. Let's go back to the salt. The salt is not the main thing. The salt is not the main course, but the salt adds flavor to the main course. The salt is used as a preservative. Now, today we don't have to use this means because we have refrigerators. But before people had refrigerators, salt was actually used to preserve something from spoiling, to preserve something from going bad. Now, we are the salt of the earth. Did you know we live in a world that is corrupting? We live in a world that is corrupted. We live in a world that is, uh, is going down fast. And as Christians, we ought to be the preservatives. We ought to be the thing that keeps God from judging. Remember when Abraham said, God, if there are 50 righteous in Sodom, will you spare it? God said, I will. He got all the way down to 10. God said, if there are 10 righteous in that city, I will not destroy it. So sad that Lot and his family were in that city, but they hadn't, they hadn't done anything. They hadn't won anybody to God. They hadn't led anybody to a knowledge of God and faith in God. They'd been in that city, but they had let the city influence them rather than they influencing the city. We see that salt and light are very practical. This world needs the salt of the earth. This world needs God's people to be the preservative. This world needs the salt of the earth, God's people to be a testimony and to be a witness and to, to help to point people to Christ and to add some flavor. Now again, salt is not the main thing, but salt adds flavor to the main thing. Salt and light are very practical. What does light do? Light helps you see. We live in a dark world, do we not? We live in a world that is dark spiritually. We live in a world that is becoming worse and worse and getting further and further away from God and further and further away from the truth every day. 
But here's the problem. Sometimes we think that we've got to go in and we've got to correct everything in the world when the answer is that's not what God called us to do. God called us to be the light. God called us to let our light shine. God called us to do what we can do and just let people see Jesus Christ in our lives and through our lives. I mentioned a few minutes ago, I mentioned Ron Hamilton. He sang a song in in tribute to his father when his father passed away. And the name of the song was, I Saw Jesus in You. Now think about that. I wonder if at our funeral someday, I wonder if anybody would walk by the casket and say, I'll tell you about brother so-and-so. I'll tell you about sister so-and-so. I saw Jesus in that person. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful if people could say about you and me, say, hey, they weren't talented. They weren't that smart. They didn't have it all together, but they had a life that pointed people to Jesus. And I am a testimony. I saw Jesus in them. There's a lot I could say, a lot I have said in the past about my dad who's with the Lord. But I'll tell you one thing. I saw in my dad, I saw a man who knew Jesus. I saw a man who loved Jesus. I saw a man who walked with Jesus. And that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be to my wife. That's what I want to be to my children. That's what I want to be to this church. That's what I want to be to this world. I want to be somebody that just helps point people to Jesus. I see the salt and the light. Number one, it's personal. Number two, it's practical. But number three, it's powerful. Now, salt, it's amazing the difference that a little bit of salt can make. I'll be honest with you, I like salt too much. I do put salt on my food before I taste it. You say, well, that's crazy. I have never, I have never put salt on my food without tasting it and then said, oh, too much salt. I usually put salt on my food, taste it and say, not enough and put a little bit more. But it's amazing the difference that a little bit of salt can make. What about light? I have here and hopefully that fan's not going to blow the flame back and catch my tie on fire here. Uh, but, But I've got a match. And you know, that right there, it's so small, is it not? But isn't it amazing what one little match can do? Isn't it amazing the the impact that one little flame can have? I was reading about the the largest forest fires that have ever happened worldwide. And you know how those forest fires all started? They started with one, one flame. At some point, there was one little flame that then led to a bigger fire. The largest forest fire in the history of the world in, on, on record took place in 2003. There was a forest fire in Russia that consumed 55 million acres of land. I had to look it up just to try to, to wrap my brain around that. That is the, the size of the state of Minnesota. The entire state of Minnesota, that's how much land mass was destroyed by a forest fire in Russia in 2003. You know what destroyed 55 million acres? Just one little flame. Just, just, just one little spark, just one little fire. In 2020, just a few years ago, Australia experienced a forest fire that burned 42 million acres of land, the size of the state of Oklahoma. And where did it all start? It started with one little flame. 
I don't know that it was a match. I don't know that it was something careless, but I know this, at some point, somebody just had a little flame or there was a little spark or something and that little spark impacted an entire region of that country. Now, here we are again, we're talking about this. Did you know that you and I, we all have a light, but what we do with that light is so important because there's so much power. There's so much potential. And, and we look at this light and we say, you know, that's pretty. Uh, that, that's nice. That's beautiful. But rather than just admiring it, why don't we use it? Why don't we do something for God? Well, why don't we tell somebody about Jesus? Uh, why don't we serve the Lord? Why don't we get on our, our, our knees in prayer? Why don't we give? Why don't we do something with that light? Because there's not a lot we can do by ourselves. But when that light is pointing to Jesus Christ and putting people's attention on him. I want to tell you, there is power in what that light can do. That little light can make a big difference. That little bit of salt can make a big difference. And tonight I want to say, so can you and so can I. Jude 22, the Bible says, and of some, having compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Did you know that you can make a difference in somebody's life? You could be the one that could save somebody from going to a place called hell because you could tell them about Jesus, because you could witness to them, because you could pass a gospel tract, because you could pass out a Bible, because you could give to send a missionary to a country where you'll never go and I'll never go, but they could tell somebody about Jesus and make a huge difference. You see, it's powerful. And so is your life and so is mine when you let God have control. Little is much when God is in it. I see that the salt and the light, it's personal. I see that it's practical. I see that it's powerful. But then I see, lastly, I see that it is purposeful. Would you look with me again in Matthew chapter 5 and notice verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. And by the way, that's what you would do with salt that has lost its seasoning and salt that has lost its flavor. You would toss it out. You say, this is worthless. This is no good. Well, I'm glad to tell you tonight that God doesn't throw people out. I'm glad that God doesn't take us and say, get out of here and, you know, don't come back. I'm glad God doesn't operate like that. I'm glad that God uh, uh, takes the broken pieces and God takes the broken lives and God takes the people that are wayward and God lets them come home like the prodigal son and God restores and, and God can use you again and God can use me again and you're never good for nothing. As long as you've got life and breath, God can still use you and God can still use me. But notice our purpose. It says in verse number 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You would never, you would never light a candle and then do, do everything you possibly could to hide that. What's the point? You don't light a candle 
just to hide it. You light a candle so that you can let that light shine, that people can see Jesus in you and see Jesus in me. Be careful where I go tonight after church. People will think I've been smoking. I smell like smoke. But here's what I'm saying. There's a purpose. The purpose of that light is not to be hidden, but the purpose of that light is to shine. It says it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here's the problem. Sometimes we try to let that light shine and we're hoping people will think that we did it. We'll, we'll, we'll let that light shine and we're thinking, well, I don't mind if God gets a little bit of the credit, but I'd like to take some of it. Amen. You know, maybe 50-50, you know, Brother Curry. I mean, that sounds fair. God gets 50% of the credit and I'll take 50%. Oh, no, no. God doesn't share his glory with anybody. You, you and I don't get a cut. As a matter of fact, we don't deserve to be here. Uh, we, we don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be children of God. Uh, we've been saved by grace and all the glory and all the credit and all the praise and all the honor goes to him. Read the book of Revelation and see how that works. It's all going to him. And all nations and tribes and kindreds and tongues sing praise and, and glory and honor to the lamb that was slain. But there's a purpose and our purpose is to glorify God. Have you, ever, have you ever been at your workplace? And please don't, don't say this out loud because if you have coworkers in the church house, it might be awkward. But have you ever been at the workplace and have you ever thought, why am I here? Or maybe you thought about somebody else at the workplace. Why are they here? They're not doing anything. As a matter of fact, not only are they not doing anything, they're creating more work for me, you know, so that what they are doing is counterproductive. Have you ever wondered with your life, why am I here? What am I doing? What is my purpose? Well, friend, it's not that complicated. This verse tells us our purpose. We're to let our light shine. We're, we're to, to live for God and serve God. And we're to have a testimony for God that people can see our works, our good works, and give glory to our Father which is in heaven. That is why you are here. You say, well, sure, that's, that's what the friends are doing. You know, they're getting up and singing. And of course, that's, you know, that's easy to glorify God. Did you know that you don't have to be a singer to glorify God? Did you know you don't have to be a pastor to glorify God? Did you know you don't have to be a Sunday school teacher or choir member? And, and I'm all for all those things. And I think we need more of those folks. But I'm just saying this. If you are a child of God, you were created to bring glory to God. And God has something that you can do to fulfill your purpose. That's why some Christians are miserable. You ever met one like that? You ever met somebody that's just, they're grumpy, they're mad, they're frustrated. They're, they're always pointing out the faults in everybody else. Can I tell you one reason why? Because they haven't found their purpose. Because when you find your purpose, you don't have time for all that nonsense. When you know that your purpose is to glorify God and you realize your time is so short, did you notice how, how, how quickly those matches went out? You say, that's not a very good illustration. Oh, it's a great illustration. 
Because our life is like that. It's just a vapor. It's so quick. It just, it seems like, how did the time go by so quickly? That's why we redeem the time. That's why we make every day count. Because our purpose is to glorify the Lord. The Bible says that salt that is lost its savor is good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. I'm glad and thankful today that you can't lose your salvation. Hallelujah. But I will say this, you can lose your testimony. And you can lose your impact. You say, well, what do I do? Might as well. Oh, no, 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 no. If you've lost your testimony, you get it back. If you've lost your relationship with the Lord, you go back to where you left it and you get back to a relationship with the Lord by spending time in the Word of God, spending time in prayer, getting back to church, getting back to serving God. Maybe you have to go ask some people to forgive you for what you've done or said. Maybe you need to go back to the workplace and say, hey, I'm sorry for the, the testimony I've had. I'm sorry for being so critical. I'm sorry for being so negative. I'm sorry. And maybe you need to get some things right. But don't live the rest of your life saying, oh, well, I guess I might as well not even try. Oh, no. You ought to make up for lost time. You ought to serve God and you ought to live for God like you've only got a little bit of time and make every day count. We have a purpose. I'm thankful that God has given us such a simple illustration here of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be salt. Salt that has not lost its savor. Keep your testimony. Keep that relationship with the Lord. Keep that that influence that you can have because of a life that is lived for God. And then we're a light. We're just a light just to just point people to Jesus. That's all we do. People say, hey, I need to know about something. You say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, I got some problems. Well, hey, let's pray. Let's talk to Jesus about it. Hey, I got this need. Hey, let me tell you what Jesus would say. Let me tell you what the Bible says. And let's not miss our purpose to glorify the Lord and to live for Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.